Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Happy Mama Truth Monday, mamas. It's Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach and creator of the Mama Truth Circle, back again for another Mama Truth show. And I'm so excited today because we are going to talk about the topic of bullying and what we can do when our little ones are bullied and really what we can even do just as a human being in the world when we have those experiences where we feel that sensation of being bullied. And I wanted to bring on an incredible guest. She is so inspiring and so incredibly talented. I'm very honored to have her with us here today. Her name is Lori Rubin. And Lori is an opera singer whose voice, spirit, and story has captivated audiences all over the globe. She's the co-artistic director, co-founder, and resident voice teacher of Ohana Arts, which recently presented an original musical called Peace on Your Wings, about the life of a young Japanese girl who suffered from the Hiroshima bomb. Her album and memoir, Lori's album and memoir, Do You Dream in Color, details her experiences of living an adventurous life while blind, inspiring audiences of all ages to reach for their dreams. She also has this incredible music video called The Girl I Am, which details her own experiences of passive aggressive bullying. And that video has reached an enormous audience and has really started an important conversation worldwide about bullying and what we can really do about it. And just to let all those kids in the world know that it does get better and that they're not alone in their experiences. She has a wonderful Facebook page that I want to make sure that you go and check out at facebook.com forward slash Lori Rubin Music. So Lori, thank you so much for being here on the Mama Truth Show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Oh my goodness. So I would love for you to just start about your own story. Tell us a little bit about your experience. I know that we can, in your memoir, Do You Dream in Color, learn even more about this, which I highly recommend everyone go out and check out. But I would just love to know more about your own personal experience and your story of becoming an opera singer and making this incredible video. Oh, okay. Well, Let's see. Well, I guess I'll just start by saying that um, that my life, you know, started. You know, I've, I've been. I was born blind, and my life really started with me having a really high self-esteem, and that's because I had, you know, great parents, very supportive parents, who always made me feel that I was just like everybody else. And like my my brother was sighted. He was uh, five years older than me. Still is. <laughs> and, <laughs> You know, I always wanted to be like him and, and anything he did, if, whether it be like we were in my dad's, you know, pickup and he was sitting in the, you know, in the trunk. I wanted to do that too. I didn't want anybody to think I was too delicate to do that or, or whether we were going snow skiing or water skiing, you know, I always wanted to be right up there, you know, with them. And my parents always found ways to make it happen, even if it were a little bit different. For example, when we went snow skiing, they found a ski school for the blind and we had a condo in Lake Tahoe. And so they found um, a ski instructor and I, they would, this person would ski right behind me and just say, right, left, oh, I meant left, you know, <laughs> we, had a, we had a couple of those instances, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I always just did things with my family and there was never any question. And we, what, that all sort of 
changed a little bit when I went into middle school. Yeah. Um, well, I should say upper elementary school was a little bit tough because when I, I was in a school for the blind from first, from like nursery school through third grade. And then when I switched to be mainstreamed in fourth grade, I was kind of a novelty the first year. So I was, it was the closest I'd ever felt to popular. Cause it was like, Ooh, the blind girl, that's kind of neat, you know? <laughs> um, but all that changed in fifth grade. I don't know, something happens to kids and there's like a switch that happens. And um, all of a sudden I felt like the kids were ganging up on me. They always found ways to antagonize me. Um, there was one time I was sitting at lunch and a girl next to me just picked up my cane and just bopped me over the head with it. Um, wow. It was just, it was just kind of, and there, there were times where I was actually scared to go to school because um, I would be eating a bag of potato chips and then I'd find like a paper clip in it um, or a safety pin or that kind of thing, or like a, one of those binders that you, you know, like I think they call them brads. I don't know if they even still use them nowadays where you connect papers together. And so if I grabbed a handful of chips, like I might swallow something that's really dangerous. And so it was just not a good time. And there was one day that I stayed home from school because I was so terrified. And um, my mom, who's a very strong lady in a good way, uh, you know, she went and read the riot act to the, you know, the, the administration at the school. And you know, things got a little bit better, but then she was determined to put me in a private school that my brother had gone to. And it was a very nurturing, wonderful environment. And so she was really excited for me to go there, except that when I went there, my class, and we, we joke about this now, but my class was deemed the most horrible, meanest class of that school and just, you know, ate each other alive. It was just a horrible class. And me being the only blind student in that school I, that sort of doubled my problems because they didn't know how to handle me. And so I experienced what was called, you know, passive aggressive bullying in which a lot of times the kids wouldn't even invite me to things that the whole class would be invited to a bar mitzvah or a party. And I'd be the only one not invited. Um, and the parents knew about this as well. That was the worst part about it is that the parents were sort of involved in that decision-making. And um, so I went through a hard time. And then when I was in eighth grade, um, I, there was a trip that our class took to Catalina. We did our yearly annual school trip and Catalina was, um, we, we basically just, you know, a very isolated from everything. And we took this boat there and you couldn't get away. The, what, the great thing they thought was, oh, we can't get away. So we don't have the distractions. But my, in my experience, it's like, oh, we can't get away from here <laughs> because, um, and they insisted that I have my own chaperone. Um, and which was to me like having, they might as well have tattooed the word blind and red on my forehead. It was just really embarrassing. Like I didn't want to have my own chaperone taking care of me. Um, but they were worried that something was going to happen to me in liability. And so the person that I had come with me was a woman. She was like at the time, just like about 18 years old. So it was like, still like cool. She was still not, you know, still like kind of in that age where she could relate to teenagers. So it wasn't so bad except that she started hanging out with the popular kids. <laughs> and one day the kids went on a hike and they said that I couldn't go, which of course, are, you know, angered me even more because it was like, great, you know, I can do, you know, and of course I had that feisty spirit. It was like, you can't tell me I can't do something. And she was like, I, you know, this girl was sitting with me on a bench uh, and I, and I, I you know, this friend of mine and, and she was a close family friend who had always told me about all these great things. And she was sort of like a mentor to me, like a big sister to me in that way. And all of a sudden I said to her, you know, I don't know what made me do this, but I just said, why do you think that the kids don't like me? And she was just like, you know, it's because you'll never be like them. 
you'll never have a job. You'll probably never have a family. You know, you can't relate to them about anything because you're, you're, you know, you're blind. You'll never have romance. You'll probably never have your first kiss. So like, what can you talk to them about? So slowly and but surely my self-esteem was kind of going down the drain. And I was just like, I sort of made it through the rest of the trip. But then when I got home, my mom asked me how everything went and it was just the floodgates open. And I remember yelling at her and my, my brother was there and I remember yelling at her and saying, how could you guys make me think that I'm going to have a normal life? How could, you know, you know, it's obvious I'm going to just be like this outcast, like the hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, I just like, I, that's that picture I had in my head was I was going to be like this outcast. And, um, and she was just like, Lori, 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 take a second. Wait a second here. She's like, of course you're going to have romance. She's like, if you had romance in eighth grade, your dad would probably kick you out of the house anyway. So, you know, (laughs) Um, and she said, you know, you, you know, of course you're going to have a job. She reminded me that I was already singing at a lot of events because um, a lot of their friends ran these Jewish charities and they would ask me to sing the national anthem. And I wasn't being paid because I was a minor, which is probably why they hired me. They thought, cute, don't have to pay her, you know, great entertainment. But, um, you know, and of course the cuteness factor wore off, but, you know, at least now I'm getting paid for stuff, you know? Um, And, you know, she said in terms of, you know, having just not, she said, because one of the things that this girl had said was that I would always live with my parents. And she goes, "Uh uh-uh, you're going to college, you're out of here after 18, honey, that's it, you know? And then it just reminded me that, of course I knew all those things, but all it takes is for somebody that you think that you admire to tell you something. And then, you know, at that very delicate formative age, that's it. You know, your self-esteem can just, it can just, it, you're so impressionable. And so later when Jenny and my, when I married my awesome wife, um, who is a composer and she, we met at Yale. Um, and I always joke with people that the pickup line she used on me was, will you pl- sing on my recital? <laughs> and, you know, from then on, we just, you know, we, we not only, you know, we got to, you know, we had a very wonderful relationship, but we also musically, we, we partnered up on so many projects and, um, you know, one of her great ideas when I was going through this sort of disappointing aspect of auditioning a lot of times, and of course, you know, artists have to be rejected a lot. I mean, that's that's the part of the field is being rejected. And when she when she noticed that, like, I was frustrated. I was like, you know, this is really irritating because it's one thing to be rejected, but to be rejected because flat out because I was blind, it was just like that means that's ignorance. There's no excuse for that. Like, and it's not the people's fault who are rejecting me. It's my fault. I'm not doing a good enough job to show that I can be independent. And she said, why don't you write a book? And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people hear that, but I wasn't at the time, I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a book, you know, <laughs> because so this is ridiculous. And, you know, and I, I did, and I wrote my memoir and um, had a wonderful agent, you know, Steve Harris, who's fantastic. And he, you know, he, we, we went through a lot of publishers and there was one publisher who really believed in this book. And in 2012, it got published. And shortly after that time, Jenny, another, she's always the one with the great ideas, my wife, she said, why don't we write an album of songs that kind of relate to our life? And then one of them could be about this experience of bullying that you had in eighth grade. Mm. And so literally we talked about this at dinner and the next day I started writing lyrics to that song and that became The Girl I Am. And Jenny wrote the music and she audio produced it and, we, and she orchestrated it. And um, that became the first music video that we did. And to me, what's so important about that video um, <clears throat> is that for people like me, we didn't, I didn't have somebody to tell me it gets better. Right. Just believe in who you are and it gets better. Um, and, you know, so I think it's really important to have that out there so kids know as long as they believe in who they are and they can get through that horrible time 
that life, the, the life that's awaiting them after that is really amazing. And then just, just to always believe in yourself and be true to who you are. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, what an <laughs> incredible experience that you've had. And I mean, talk about the ultimate revenge of you being so incredibly successful in your oh, life. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Very sweet. Like, you know, someone who, you know, these kids saying, oh, you're going to just live with your parents forever and you're never going to have romance. And here you are married, this incredible opera singer and making videos and writing <laughs> and living this fantastic life. And, and, I, and I love it. I think that it's so important. I know for me, um, you know, I remember in seventh grade coming to school one day and, and all my friends decided not to talk to me. And I don't <gasps> know why. Right? Oh, no. And I think that so many of us have some sort of story around being bullied. And I know in particular middle school, for me anyway, and it sounds like for you as well, was the hardest time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, just brutal. Yes. So I'm wondering for you, and especially as you've been starting to do more and more work around the bullying epidemic that's happening, Mm -hmm. really, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that has happened for a long time. And I think the internet has escalated things because then it's like if people shun you on the internet or make fun of you or bully you on the internet, they don't have the experience of at least seeing your face, seeing the reaction of what yeah. happens, you know, feeling mm-hmm. that energetic reaction of like, oh, I just destroyed this person's self-worth in a moment. Yes, yes it's yeah. very anonymous that way. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even, even you know, um, adults talk about this too, of they put mm-hmm. something up on Facebook and then all of a sudden they get trolls coming out and, you know, commenting on them and saying yes. terrible things about them. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things that you found really help? Like for the moms that are listening, if they have kids that are going through bullying, what, what advice would you give them? You know, it's interesting. I think it's so hard because, you know, it's funny because we talk to our kids nowadays who in Ohana Arts, our program, our performing arts program, and I really just want to impart to them, you know, listen, you, you, you have to have some perspective on this because, you know, uh, you know these people are hurting. And I try to explain this to them that, you know, when they bully you, it's because they are you know, one of the one wonderful way this one gentleman in Hawaii spoke about it. Um, and he's developed a curriculum around peace is that it's like you have this full bucket and um, it's like somebody else who is, has, is hurting, who has an empty bucket is trying to uh, take from your bucket. And that it, so it's almost like and what he says is you've got to put a lid on it. You've got to figure out a way to put a lid on it so you're protecting everything that you have. And yourself, what is that? Your self-esteem and all the, you know, all the things that you've attributed, all your accolades, everything. You have to put a lid on it so that nobody can destroy it. It's all yours and nobody can take it away from you. So that's one way. Um, but the hard thing I find with these kids is it's so hard for them to have perspective because they're going through it. Now it's easy for me to be like, oh, man, this is all so trivial and it's ridiculous. You, know, you should not let these people tell, you know, to tear you apart like that. Um, but you know, when they're in it, it's so difficult. So one of the things that I try to do is that I know that bullying is, is one of those things, it's never gonna stop per se. And I think there's ways we can discourage it. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing that we can do for people is, is create armor. And the armor is knowing that you are, it's like remembering all the things that you are, remembering like whether it is that you have the most beautiful head of, of red hair or, or you are such a great athlete or, or you are tall or whatever it is that, that you like about yourself or more, most importantly, what's inside. Like, well, I'm really good at making or doing this or I'm, 
um, I'm a really nice person or I'm this or that. Those are the things that, that you have to focus on. Um, and you, and just remember how to make all of those things about you come together into the best person you can possibly be. So I think the way that I would address bullying is actually in the person who is being bullied themselves. It's what can I do? Even if, if I'm not there yet, what can I do to be the best person that I am so that when I leave this place, when I leave this horrible jungle of yeah. where I'm getting bullied, where, you know, when, when I am, I can be the survival of that, of that group. I, you know, I, I create my own um, survival method of getting out of this and I'm going to be this, I'm going to be successful because I'm doing everything I can to be the best person I can possibly be. And sometimes even that journey is hard because, you know, especially for me as an artist, I had to learn a lot about stage presence. I had to learn how to, you know, I even had to learn how to be a better listener. I had to learn how to do, you know, all these things. And these are difficult things because, you know, it's, it's, you always have to listen to mentors who are saying, listen, this is what you need to improve on. And it's not easy. It's so personal. But those are the kinds of positive things that I think that kids need. And I think they need, what they need from their parents is the help, uh, the support to become that person. Um, I, as an artist, I see a lot of kids whose parents tell them, you need a backup. You need a backup. And yeah. a lot of kids who get bullied are artists, I'll tell you, because we're different. That's just how it is. And through Ohana Arts, I've seen kids come in and they're terrified because they're worried that they're going to be bullied the way they have been in school. And then they get to Ohana Arts and they realize that everybody's like them and they can be themselves. And it's a beautiful trans transformation I see in these kids. They go from these scared, terrified kids into... I mean, amazing, poised, confident people when they leave us during the summer because they are being celebrated for who they are. So I think what I would say to parents is one of the things is never tell your kid that, that what they love in life needs a backup because wow. then they feel they're not good enough, you know, that, okay, you know, I, you know, what I love is not good enough. And Jenny is, you know, I always take inspiration from her because she, she gave a talk for her Buddhist church and she was telling, it was for the group of graduating seniors in this church. And she said, you know, no, you know, never have a plan B. Always make your plan A the one that you're going to do. Because even if you don't do what you think you're going to do in your plan A, um, it, it will, it will, you will find the circuitous path to your dream. And it may be a different dream than you started out with, but it's gonna, you're going to have a different dream. And I, you know, I found that too. When I first started, I thought I was going to be at the Met or I thought I was going to be singing in Europe. And when that didn't happen, I never felt like, oh, you know, backup plan, you know, it was, I'm going to find another way to, to seek my dream of singing and making music. And, uh, you know, and Jenny and I still perform around the country and we still give concerts. And in fact, we performed in Romania, you know, recently in Switzerland and we're still doing that, but it's in a different way than we thought. And that's how life is. Life is never the direct path to what you think. It's always the roundabout and the roundabout is more fun. You go over the mountains and you, you know, there's peaks yeah. and valleys. And those are the things that I think parents need to teach their kids is that I'm on this journey with you. Oh, I get all choked up, but <laughs> ooh, that, <laughs> that, you know, I'm with you and uh, we'll, we'll figure it out together. And I think that's the thing that, that parents really have to do for their kids. And I think the most successful kids are the ones that have, you know, super strict parents, but the parents that are not telling them no, but they're telling them, I'm going to be strict with you because I want what you want, you know? Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> that's beautiful. Well, oh, it sounds like that, that sense of, um, of partnership, of true partnership. Of, oh, yeah. You know, for us as, as parents, as moms, to really say, I'm your partner in helping your dreams happen. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I love, I, I, I think, you know, just a couple of things that I want to kind of take a yellow highlighter marker to <laughs> about what yeah. you just said around, you know, really having and encouraging our children mm-hmm. to know what they like about themselves. Absolutely. Or, you know, I mean, because as you know, my, my work is really with the inner mean girl and around the inner <laughs> critic and the self-bullying that we do mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. I always feel like when someone externally bullies us and is mm-hmm. a mean girl or a mean guy to us, if we have that strong connection to our inner wisdom, if we can teach our kids to have that strong connection to the truth of who they are, mm-hmm. then it really does become that armor. It's like, yeah. well, I get that you're making fun of me about this and I feel this way. I know this to be true about myself. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and, and having that strong connection with, um, within themselves and being able to really nurture that relationship with them. Oh yeah. You know, my, cause my daughter, um, my oldest daughter, Annabella mm-hmm. is um, a fourth grader. Oh and yeah. So, you know, so it's starting like all that stuff. She had a bullying experience last year on oh. a team outside of school and she didn't actually tell me about it until the, the team was almost done because she was afraid that I'd be mad at her for not standing up for herself. And mm-hmm, we had mm-hmm. a whole conversation about that, about how <laughs> I would never like, and we talked about the whole fight, flight, or freeze and how that's mm-hmm. what our bodies do that, mm-hmm. you know, that, and she, cause she was freezing when the girl was making fun of her. She would just, yeah. and I'm like, that's, that's how your brain works, honey. This is mm-hmm. a normal human experience and response if someone's being sure. to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and because exactly. she was talking about how she can advocate when someone else is being made fun of. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You talk about ally, right. But I'm like, yeah. it's different when it's happening to you. It's different. exactly. It's such a different experience. And so yes. I, I love, um, this concept that you've brought forth around really helping your children understand what's lovable about them and what, mm-hmm. what is right about them mm-hmm. and being on their team to really help them you know, nurture those things within themselves and experience those, those things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've seen, and I've seen, you know, and interestingly enough that there's also the kids that do bully. um, And the, you know, and I actually, you know, we have had kids like that around us too. And um, the interesting thing about those girls is, is, or, you know, I think girls, because that's, I guess, being a girl, I, I always think about girls. I know that there are boys that bully too. But when I see that, um, it's often the girls who are beautiful on the outside, but they think that's all they have. Right. Um, and it's really interesting. I've seen this over and over again. Where, And then these are always the girls that are often the girls that will take pills or things to try to get themselves to be thinner because they're trying to, the thing they found about themselves that is working for them is their beauty. Um, right. and, and sometimes I think, so there is something to be said about uh, that, that, um, you know, yes, it's great for them to know that they're beautiful on the outside, but, but really it's always better to find the things on the inside that are better because I think those are easier to make better. They're, they're easier to hone. If you're trying to, you know, always perfect something that's there on the outside, that's when you start getting into trouble. Um, and you know, trying to, when you try to perfect it even more, that's where eating disorders come in and, um, you know, drugs start to come in. So it's so important that the thing that parents help them find is, is what's on the inside. Um, and I know there's, there's this beautiful article, and I, can, I wish I could remember, it was written by this woman and, and who was, I think, a journalist, and she was talking about how um, she went into a, a girl's house 
Um, and she really wanted to say, oh my God, you're so cute. She's a little five, five-year-old girl in her little fluffy nightgown. And she's like, oh my God. But instead she found herself saying, what are you reading? Or talking to her about the book that she was reading. Yeah. And, and she said, you know, that she realized that the conversation that came out of it was stronger because she saw how smart this girl was and how they could talk about something intellectual at, you know, and rather than, oh my God, look how cute you are. I want to pinch your cheeks, which, you know, tells the girl I'm cute, you know? And, right. um, and so, and, and that this goes into sort of gender and how people talk about how there's these, you know, these really, these, uh, these sort of ways that you're supposed to adapt, you know, being female or male. And even though transgender and all those kinds of things are starting to work themselves more into society, there's still a big uh, pressure to be this, there's a standard that people want to reach and being very feminine or very masculine. And that if we can avoid like gender pronouns and things like that, I mean, to an extent, you know, I think, I think it's hard because there are families I know that won't, will refuse to use the word she or, and I'm like, well, but come on, we have to, I mean, this is society right now and we, it's hard to break that, you know, and, kids are still going to be with other people in society. So, you know, gender pronouns are still very important. But, you know, in terms of like talking about beauty or, oh, he's so strong or he's so handsome, you know, to really look at, you know, what's underneath all of that? What, what really, what is, what is going to make this person in life successful? And it's certainly not how beautiful they are, you know? And I've, I've made the mistake of saying, wow, you're so tall, you could be a model. And I'm like, oh, why did I just say that? You know, what did I, you know I shouldn't say that, you know, because I do think, wow, I mean, I wish I could be that tall. But then I realized, you know, that's not what's important. It's really what else they're contributing underneath all of that. Absolutely. It, mm -hmm. it feels like, I remember hearing some supermodel somewhere talking mm -hmm. about how it's such a bizarre thing to get all this attention from something that you didn't do. Yes, exactly. You know, like there's like, you can't really take credit for having a bone structure that is just cherished in our society. You know? Yes, exactly. You it's credit for, you know, I mean, I think body image stuff can get a little bit trickier in there, but still yeah. it's like that it's a very bizarre experience in life to have people constantly giving you feedback and reacting to something that you, that is just the way that you were born. Right. And right. so what is it like for you then to build character, which is something that you can take responsibility for and take ownership over? Right. And how for us as parents to really put the emphasis on that character building stuff versus having that emphasis be on the stuff that the child can't actually take any credit for and, right. and they can't make go away. Exactly. Because yeah, so I think I, I I think that's that that's so interesting, and it goes back to those feelings of self esteem and self love, and how if we can nurture that in our children. Yes, that's where it's at. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny that you say that about the beauty thing because I've had people say, "Lori, I really admire you for." you know, getting out of bed and, you know, having the courage to, you know, to like walk around because I used to live in New York and to walk around New York with your guide dog. Like I admire that. And, and I felt that same way. Like, I wish they wouldn't, you know, talk about, I wish they wouldn't compliment me for how I function because I have no choice. That's just, how, it right. felt wrong. Like I felt like I was being put on a pedestal for something that was just, in, you know, I had involuntary. What I wanted to be liked for was, or, or to be admired for was, wow, you really hit that great high C in a pianissimo. That's really yeah. great. You know, like, <laughs> I worked hard on that, darn it. You know, that's yeah. what I wanted for. Not, you know, not the fact that I brushed my teeth and put my pants on one leg at a time. You know, it's just, it's so true. It's yeah. so true. We have to remember what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you can believe it, it's actually time for us to start wrapping up okay. here on the show. Is there, 
Um, you know, so uh, before we started recording here, I was asking Lori if she's a mom yet. And she was saying that, um, that she, they're starting to look at that journey right now, her and her wife, which is so exciting. Um, So one one of the things that I always asks my guest is what's messy and what's magical about motherhood for you right now, because most of my guests are of course moms. Mm -hmm. But for you, what I would love to ask is what's messy and what's magical about your life right now, Lori? Oh, you know, okay. I'll tell you exactly what's messy. (laughs) Well, we work with kids and to me, that's the magic. And you know, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, definitely kids are messy, but um, they are. And we always tell them that they're like, you guys are so, you're such slobs. You guys need to clean up the classroom. You know, you got to be respectful. (laughs) But I mean, most of the time they're very magical, but the messy part of our life, I would say is Ohana Arts right now, our performing arts organization and our musical piece on your wings are, you know, they are what we're working, you know, to build and grow. And of course it takes a village. And so the messy thing in our life is fundraising. Yeah. Um, it is so hard and it's, it's so rewarding when it gets done, but I'll tell you, it is so hard because there's no good way to fundraise. It's just, it's a messy thing and it's never, you know, easy. And, and, and I guess, you know, how that relates to motherhood is you'll inevitably be on some sort of PTO or PTA or, you know, board or whatever it is. And um, you'll be asked to fundraise. <laughs> so yeah. I say that and I, and I you know, I, I, maybe this is just what's on my brain right now because, you know, we were, we're in the middle of writing grants and we're in the middle of trying to, you know, express to our board that things, yes, are working out, but it's just, it'll take a while to actually see the results. Um, but those kinds of things are, are the messy part of our life. Um, and, um, you know, and also being an artist, uh, you know, not knowing always when your next paycheck is coming because it's always about when somebody's going to hire you. And when you are hired, you make a nice big sum of money, but then, you know, you just, there's always that worry that it's, you, we're not doing a nine to five job. This is our, you know, we're self-employed and we get hired to do, you know, various contracts. So for, for me, that's what's messy, but I also wouldn't trade it for the world. I love having the life that I have. And the magic for me is being able to talk with people like you and, and your group of amazing moms. And I would like to say, take this opportunity to, to say to all of you moms out there who are watching this, to please contact me and join and you know, interact on my Facebook page and, and message me because I would love to, to know what's, what's going on in your lives. And I would love to be able to help through my music. So you guys are the magic in my life. And also the kids that I work with in Ohana Arts are, are my magic. And just watching... We started writing Peace on Your Wings a couple of years ago, not knowing what was going to happen with it. You know, basically in this room that I'm in now, in our nightgowns at three in the morning, we'd be still writing. Yeah. And then and just a few months later, watching those kids on stage on an actual set, creating these beautiful harmonies that, that Jenny wrote and singing the lyrics that I wrote. It's just like, that is magic. And so I, I'm lucky in my life that what's messy is definitely less than what's magical. And, um, and I can handle cleaning up the mess or even living in the mess sometimes in order to just get a taste of that magic. So um, thank you so much, Amy, for having me on. And like I said, please keep in touch. Um, I'm always, I always like to write back to people. I always love to hear what's going on because Jenny and I are going to make some more music videos like The Girl I Am. And we would love to know what, what's working and what isn't for your kids and try to focus on those issues because we want the issues to be relevant to kids today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lori. So again, that Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Lori Rubin music. And I'll of course have a link in the show notes. Um, With that, 
So with that, thank you, Lori. Thank you so much. I love all the work that you're doing in the world. And again, her memoir is called, um, wait, hold on. Your memoir. Do You Dream in Color. Do You Dream in Color. And The Girl I Am is the music video. And then Peace on Your Wings is the musical. So many amazing things going on. So check her Facebook page out, like it and connect in with Lori. And with that, mamas, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. Until next time, it's Amy Ehlers signing off. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening, mamas. Did you know that Amy has a new ebook out? It's called Sacred Self-Care for Moms, Seven Steps to Nurturing Yourself So You Can Be the Mom You Were Born to Be. And you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth Show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama True Show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. <laughs>